And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Join us this Saturday for an all-new episode of The Athletic NBA Show. Saturday Slam and Jam, hosted by me, Andrew Schlecht. I'll be joined by my co-hosts Alex Spears and many of the athletic beat writers that you know and love. We will recap the week of the NBA, play some NBA trivia, and just overall talk about the league that we love most. So while you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee on Saturday morning, listen to Saturday Slam and Jam on the Athletic NBA Show. Yo! It's Zach Harper, host of the Basketball Buds, right here on the Athletic NBA Show. Join me and the fellas, Waz, Trey, Jay, and Dave, for a new episode every Monday morning. What's Jay King going to say that lights the podcast on fire? What's that problematic envelope that Waz is going to keep pushing every single Monday? Tune in to find out. That's every Monday morning right here on the Athletic NBA Show. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday. On the Athletic Podcast Coming up on today's show, we ask, why isn't my guy getting enough foul calls? We challenge the myth that seating doesn't matter, and we continue the circle of life. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. I'm Dave DeFore, and that means it's Nerder She Wrote. I'm joined as I am every week by Seth and Mo. What's up, fellas? Anything happening? Anything good? Yeah, man. I got like a family of ducks living in the pool. Um, oh, that's cool. You know, it's it's been pretty interesting. Man. Like, I, you're gonna have some eggs in your backyards? I, I I guess. I don't know. I somebody tweeted at me once and said that could ruin the pool, but I'm like, I haven't been in the pool for a very long time, so. Um, I think the pool will probably be okay. I mean, you don't want a, a duck pool party happening. I kind of do. Because ducks are disgusting. I kind of do. It's kind of cool. It's it's sort of, pe- they're, they're relatively peaceful. Ducks are delicious. Have you fed them? No, I, they, they are delicious. I haven't fed them and they are delicious. I'm not going to kill these yeah. though. Don't, PETA, don't come at me. I'm not doing anything. But they're fun to, they're just kind of peaceful and nice to watch. Yeah, PETA, come at me. I eat duck. It's delicious. Yeah, no, I didn't want them to it's, think I was yeah. killing the duck. That was the... I mean, how, how you don't want to eat the duck alive? That's way worse. This yeah, week on Murder, she wrote. Ducks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not actually killing these ducks because then you have to pluck the okay. feathers and all that. Well, it's too much work for me. Yeah, well, you definitely want to pluck the feathers on a duck because the skin is mm, so good. All right, look, let's get into the show. Uh, there is an epidemic. And and we know how fans are. We you know we know that fans have their their favorite players that they love to hate. They have the referees that they love to hate. I don't even know half the referees by name. By the way, just throwing that out there. That's how little I pay attention to those referees. But guys, my favorite player doesn't get fouled enough. He's not getting enough calls. Zion Williamson gets blocked by Nikola Jokic at the at the basket in their game the other night and. It's very clearly fouled, but it's okay. It's par for the course. 
Because Zion gets no respect, Seth. Is this right? I'm more shocked Pukashevsky's not your favorite player. <laughs> um, well, first of all, it's not just fans. It's coaches. It's players. It's execs. It's owners. It's you know local broadcasters. It's everybody. Everyone thinks that that their their guy is is uniquely getting screwed by the refs, and and so maybe if everyone's getting screwed, then nobody is, and just the standard for what's a foul is is higher than you'd like to think it is. So that's I think that's that's part one. If everyone is upset at the same thing, then maybe you're just, you know, measuring wrong. Secondly, um, this is something that that I've I've looked at back in the day, and like the best players tend to get a better whistle pretty strongly than than uh lesser players. And that comes up, you, you know, you look at, you know, where they're shooting from uh, where the defenders are, how fast players are moving, and so on and so forth. And, you know, co- looking at all that, like, yeah, you're, you know, your Giannis's, your Harden's, your Kawhi's, they get plenty of foul calls. Now, some of that is a reflection of part of why they're the best players, is they are able to create advantages in sort of subtle ways that might not show up in, you know, in, in, in broader looks at things. So, you know, you get a little bit ahead of a guy. Or you get just the, the just the right angle, or or figure out how to you know James Harden gets his arm just under a guy. So those little those little tricks of the trade are part of what makes them the best player. So that's that's part of why I don't think it's like this referee conspiracy that 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 gives you know more benefit of the doubt to the best players. I think the best players p- part of why they get these calls is they're able to you know get advantages, and when they, you have an advantage, you get fouled. Yeah, it's it's funny. This is one of those things. This is one of the rare times where I'm like, this is all the eye test, just screwing it up. I don't think there is a um, real kind of conspiracy in that sense and things like that. It's it's something Seth said that's really important is like, look where your guys are shooting shots from, you know, and Zion is a different case. But like Paul George was complaining that he wasn't getting a, uh, to the free throw line enough. I'm like, cool. You don't drive to the basket a lot. You know, Paul George is a guy that's a more of a, a, a jump shooter. Same thing with Devin Booker and things like that. I think sometimes we got to look at where guys are getting their shots from because you're not putting the onus on referees when you're not driving to the rim. It, it's you know, demonstrable. I think that's you can you look at where like you the the foul rates. You know, not to not to go nerd numbers right away, but you know, you look at foul rates based on where a shot is on the floor and you're like two, two and a half times as likely to get fouled on a shot at the rim as you are a mid range jumper. It might even be more than that. Like you are just, you know, if you're shooting a bunch of pull-ups, you're unless you're DeMar DeRozan, you're not going to get fouled. Yeah. And I think uh, Seth, since we're, we're going to go a little bit, we just kind of want a bit nerdy on the numbers. How would you statistically show this like what numbers should people see want to look at when it's like hey i want to see if my guy is getting to the free throw line enough i mean the 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 quickest is is yeah look at how many times they how many shots they shoot in the restricted area versus how many free throws they take is probably one of the quickest ways to look at it um either shots in the restricted area or just shots in the paint because shots in the paint are the ones which tend to draw fouls and you know, the, if you look at the guys who lead the league in free throws, they're the guys who get to the rim most, by and large. It's not, it's, it's, you know, it's not one to one, but it's not, it's, it's not a surprise. Yeah, and usage rate plays a role too, right? Like how much a guy has, you know, the the, the ball in his hands and things like that. Like Joel Embiid goes to the line 
all the time and and because he's in the post all the time almost you know and, and, and that's where he's able to draw those fouls he, he's 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 shooting shots where a defender is close enough to foul him like if a guy you know clint capella maybe doesn't go to the line very much even though all even though all he does is dunk because he's just catching the ball above the rim and dunking it and it's not really in a spot where he's going to get fouled with zion in particular yeah. i took a look at this he's eighth in free throw yeah. rate Okay, that that to me that seems fine. It's like okay, he's up toward the top, but he's a decent enough free throw shooter that he's not getting a lot of like hack of whistles. So Dwight Howard leads the league in free throw rate, but that's a guy you want shooting free throws. So that makes sense. But with Zion, he also has just this incredible touch around the basket, and I wonder if there's a little bit, if we see a little bit of a depression in in free throw numbers for him, or at least what we should reasonably expect. I wonder. If he's making too many shots at the basket and we know that referees love to watch whether the ball goes in or not, and maybe that adds or detracts a little bit from the number of free throws he gets to shoot. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a human I'm, I'm thinking it's a little different problem. than that. So it's a similar idea, okay. but different. So, I mean, we, we've kind of established, you know, the usage efficiency curve is something that we've known has existed for a long time. Like the, you know, the more shots you take, the harder your shots tend to get because you have to work harder to get them. Zion is takes so many more shots at the rim than anybody else ever. I've tweeted this graph out a bunch of different ways, a bunch of different times. He's up around, you know, 18, 20 rim attempts per hundred possessions for his career. The next highest guys are at like 12. So just, just a massive outlier net. And part of that is also part of the reason why he, uh, um, um, I was at, uh, Chris Herring, I think, wrote recently about about him getting blocked at the rim a lot. Uh, and, it, and it's sort of the same right. thing. When he's going in there, he is taking shots. He's taking harder shots at the rim than most guys would because to get to those 18 per 100, like, you know, there's that, you know, the, the floating jackknife, throw my body into a guy, flip up a let. Like, nobody else is doing that. So – He's not – I talked earlier about, about you know creating the advantage to get the foul call. As he's getting into those more difficult shots, there are more of them relatively that are – I'm just contorting myself to try to get this up rather than I've just beat this guy completely to the basket and he's got to hack me or I'm going to dunk it. It's the Kyrie Irving thing. Kyrie Irving doesn't really get to the free throw line. And it's because he goes around contact so often. Derrick Rose Zion, early though, in his career too. We see him play Sorry. so physically. Derrick Rose, like right. his MVP. Yeah, that was a big reason why his MVP year was one of his better years. Is that was like the first year where he actually like drew contact on his on his attempts at the basket instead of up and around and over guys. And it goes back to Mo's point about the eye test kind of fooling you because we watch Zion be so physical. I mean, he's incredibly physical. And so I, I understand. I think that people think he gets fouled maybe a lot more than he does. And I'm not saying that refs don't miss stuff with him. I think when you've got these physical outliers like Shaq and, and Zion and LeBron, and you, you are going to miss a lot more than, than on average. But I do think that that feeds right into Mo's point that the eye test kind of fools us a bit. I think some of it too is, you know, one with, with Zion in particular, and this is something we saw with Shaq a lot you know, is the, he is so big. It's hard to figure out sometimes what is an actual fat. Now listen, last night, 
yeah, Jokic attacked him. Like it's no question. They missed the call. Yeah, that, well, yeah, it was a hack. They, they, they missed the call. That's you know whatever. I'm fine with it because here's the other thing, and this is the most important thing. We don't need more free throws in this game. <laughs> like you were complaining yeah. about guys not going to the free throw line. I want less of this. <laughs> well, and Zion in particular, he's taking almost nine free throws a game. It's I think I'm okay with this, right? Like I, it's okay. But now there are guys like Steph Curry can't get a good whistle. I just I think that he is as bad as Shaq to officiate because you have to pay attention to Steph Curry and start officiating him at half court. But I don't even, but again, it kind of goes just more to his shot profiles. Like when he is getting something in the restricted area, it's usually off of a back cut or something like that. It's usually an open look. It's one of those instances where there are guys not there to foul him. Yes. He has moments where he drives the lane off the pick and roll and things like that. But you know, for the most part, it's, he's another one of those guys where you just look at his shot profile, look at his shots around the rim. It'd be a fun, steady if somebody wanted to do, because Lord knows I'm not going to do it. Uh, it, it. Just looking at where guys are, the defenders are when he's at the rim, you know, and how often is it off of a back cut or something where, you know, he just has a ton of open space. And another big difference between someone like Steph and, you know, Zion or, or Shaq or, or Giannis or LeBron is, um, do we really want – do they really want um, more crackdown on physicality in that area if that crackdown is adjudicated evenly? Like, okay, Zion gets hit, but Zion does a lot of hitting. And, you know, it's, it's – it's, you know, you either, you either let a lot go or let nothing go. And I think for someone of his profile, uh, letting a lot go is on balance a win. Yeah, I think it's a fake problem, yeah. right? And I know that it, it was, you know, we were talking about this in our pre-show. Like, this is something yeah. to talk about. Uh, Mo, you mentioned someone asking you if Devin Booker's getting a good whistle. And it's, yeah, I think he is. But I just, I just think that the big calls feel high profile when your team matters. And, and a bunch of these teams are seeing their teams matter for the first, or a bunch of these fans are seeing their teams matter for the first it's time. Also, we, time. It's peak so, fandom. It also just re- it's peak fandom. You're yeah. getting screwed. You feel like you're getting yeah. screwed. Your team's losing. You feel yeah. like you're getting screwed. That's it's it's I do it with USC football all the time. <laughs> Steph Curry's the only guy actually getting screwed. I, 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 I that's, that's just how I feel. <laughs> but no, but but, to, but to, to to bring it full circle to to Mo's Mo's point about kind of like the the the, the eye test and perception is is you you remember the missed call very deeply and that burns and you just kind of like oh yeah he went to the line like he's supposed to oh he maybe mm, this is a that's a tough call but he he earned it because he beat the guy so we he got the benefit of that like you you rationalize the 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 generous calls that he gets and the one that is missed is just like flaming anger and it's just you that's your your perception messing with you as much as it is a real thing all right so we agree this is kind of a fake problem oh it's definitely a fake problem not yeah, even kind of yeah. it's a fake problem it's the, we're myth busting today. Like this is one of them. We've just That's busted it. it up. That's right. And we're going to move on to another one after this break. Okay. We busted one myth and now we got another one. Cause Mo was hot about this because he's hearing too many people say that the seating just doesn't matter. And specifically talking about the Lakers. I, I, I think, you know, when you look at where they're at in the standings, as we record this 
on Thursday afternoon. The Lakers are currently fifth. They have a game and a half lead over the Mavericks. Okay. That's a huge game and a half because it means as of right now, you're playing the Nuggets or you're playing the Clippers in the first round. And so, Mo, I agree with you. I think the seeding does matter. And this year, more than ever. I think seeding across the board, I, everybody always says it. You know, you always hear players even say, oh, like seeding's not as big a deal to us this year or whatnot. And, and some of it's tied into home court advantage or things like that. For me, it, it's all about your matchups and your road to the finals. You know, like for me, I look at the Eastern Conference and honestly, I think whoever wins the gets the one seed in the East has the best chance to go to the finals because two, three will probably have to play each other. Right. And that's, you know, that's a combination of Philly and Milwaukee and Brooklyn. You know, that's that's a brutal matchup. And so if you finish second in the East and right now Philly is there, right? Right now, your matchup, assuming the play-in tournament works out the way it's supposed to and goes chalk, Miami's your first-round matchup. Your second-round matchup is Milwaukee, and your conference final matchup, if you, assuming you get past Milwaukee, is Brooklyn. That's a tough-ass road <laughs> to the finals. Like that matters, you know. And and saying, you know, and, and and flip it around for all the other things. I think you know the the top seed, your second-round matchup most likely is you know Atlanta or New York. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, the East the East is crazy because we have the differentiation of the top three in the East. Like it is a there's a clear line of demarcation between the Nets, Sixers, and Bucks and everyone else. No one else is a serious contender. And so if you're not the one seed, you are being absolutely hosed in the East. And I think that's a that's a useful contrast with the West, where um kind of think that 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 seating matters but more insofar as you want to be on the opposite side of the bracket as the Lakers. I mean isn't that isn't that a bigger deal than than you know again assuming LeBron and AD are 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 right by the playoffs but that's you know you you're talking about avoiding the toughest matchups for as long as possible well that's the there it is that's the toughest matchup. Um so I think because the East has is so the standings so reflect how playoff dangerous the teams are that that holds pure. Whereas the West is a little bit more jumbled, and some of that is you know Denver is not as not going to be as good a playoff team as the record is going to indicate. The Lakers are going to be a better playoff team than the record is is going to indicate. So that that flips it up a little bit, I think. And there's no there's no clarity right now i mean we're so close to the playoffs and as of right now you look at the west the jazz are up one game on the suns well guess what they played a night friday night the clippers are one game up on the nuggets they play next week i mean we the schedule makers somehow lucked into the playoffs starting two weeks early essentially I, I, because all of this jockeying for seeding actually does matter this year. I mean, don't leave out the fact that Dallas is just a game and a half behind the Lakers and own the season series. Like that's, they just have to tie the Lakers in terms of that that record, and then that puts a situation where, like, I don't think this is a good thing for the league and the playoffs as a whole. But the Clippers and Lakers have a good chance of matching up in the first round. Let's go either as a three six or four <laughs> five. I I mean, I think you know, I don't know if that's a great thing we really want, but I think. That's a brutal matchup for both teams. You know, I think that becomes a challenging thing. I think they Clippers can give the Lakers the biggest run in the playoffs. And 
LeBron and AD are still trying to work their way back into the flow for the Clippers. That's the last team you want to face in the first round. Well, and let's talk about that in particular because the Lakers schedule coming up. I mean, they've got Sacramento and then they have Toronto, which is not a pushover ever, even if they're bad. But then they have Denver, the Clippers, the Blazers, the Suns, and the Knicks. Now, the Knicks, I think the Lakers are better than the Knicks, but the the Knicks are tough. That is not easy. I don't know, man. I'm starting to feel like the Lakers legitimately are going to be the sixth seed. I mean, it's it's certainly possible. I think, you know, it's it's I mean, hell, they're only two games away from being in the playing game. So it's I mean, it's it's I don't I don't think that's gonna happen, but it's it's all of this is plausible in that scenario. And this is the this is just wildly up and down in the sense of like no clarity. The only team I feel comfortable in both conferences, I could say like, okay, I feel pretty good, feel pretty confident Milwaukee's gonna finish third. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just just having this discussion, it's I you know, um this is yet another kind of but LeBron caveat that sort of proves a general rule. Um, we, we care about seeding, but the Lakers kind of don't be, because LeBron. This, right. I mean, this this you know reminds me. I think we might have talked about this this earlier on an earlier show. But uh, one year we, in in Milwaukee, we were getting ready for the playoffs and trying to figure out who we wanted to play. And it was like it was LeBron's last year in Cleveland, I'm pretty sure. And it was like by every metric available, they were the weakest regular season team. And so like if we we're just running the numbers, it's like, yeah, we want to play them. And it's like, no, that's the last team we want to play because LeBron, we know that, that, <laughs> right. that the season doesn't reflect them like in, in totality. And, and that's the same thing this year. Like, OK, the Lakers are the sixth seed. Aren't going going into the playoffs, are, aren't they still the favorite because LeBron? Yeah. Well, and also what's crazy is that they could be the sixth seed with the number one defense. Yeah. That, that had missed two of its best players for the majority of the season. That's that's the thing about the Lakers that I, I continue to even me continue to overlook is that, yes, we keep saying it's all about LeBron and A.D., but the truth of the matter is, maybe LeBron and AD don't have to be a hundred percent. Maybe they could just oh, be. You haven't, you haven't looked at their offense. You mm. haven't looked at their offense, Dave. No, oh, come no, on, no, 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 the offense is bad. But LeBron at ninety percent finds open shooters. He's still going to be guarded. Now, if he's a step slow, like for LeBron, I, I still think that's probably enough. Yeah. No, I mean, it depends on if AD can look better than he has so far because AD is looking. I rough. think there's, there's an issue in the sense of like. Normally, you're right, Seth, like, but LeBron. I think coming back from this injury, it's it's going to be a minute. You know, I, I think it's going to be a minute, you know, before he's he's fully in the flow. So when he comes back is going to matter and how much time he has under his belt. But also them figuring out how to play with Andre Drummond, which, you know, they kind of – it's been a struggle for AD and him trying to figure that out. You this know, the, just the first few games. If anyone figures it out, <laughs> let me know. Right. And and but I think, you know, so this is the year for the Lakers where seeding does matter because you would want to play Denver in the first round That's just fair. because it's presumably the easier matchup. If you have to come out of the gates and have to figure out how you're going to guard Kawhi and Paul George in the first round. That's brutal. And then if you win Phoenix, think of how crazy it is. Think of this, how crazy it is. You, you want to play. Is- yeah, we want to get the MVP in the first round. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. But you know what? Not the first time. Golden State wanted the Mavs that year. <laughs> we believe Warriors because they knew they could beat them. But this is just, I mean, obviously for a crazy circumstance for Denver, 
you know, that 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 matters. Normally we would be like, holy shit, this Denver Lakers series is going to be nuts. Well, and here's here's another thing that I mean, and this isn't necessarily unique because often the, the seven and eight seeds are still in play as we as we come into the last week or two of the season. But if you're Utah and Phoenix, you're not going to know who you're playing until basically the series starts and you could get the Warriors. I just look, and I know that the war this Warriors team is not good. But if I'm Utah, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to walk into. I just, I don't know. I would be very nervous to play yeah. a playoff series yeah. against. Steph I Curry. wonder if they're sending advanced scouts to help the San Antonio Spurs. You know, <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> hey guys, come on, man, get, you got to get that eight seed. Yeah. I I did. I don't know. The, the West playoff is going to be just an absolute I think the East back. is going to be kind of nuts. Listen, the one thing I'll say, you know, your first round matchup, if you're the one seed in the East, is probably going to be Washington, who's been great defensively over the past month. I mean, who knows how it's going to hold up. But then you got to face Beal, who can go nuclear, and Russell Westbrook, who, you know, has amazing runs and very bad runs. Like, there's a whole lot of unpredictability there in that sense. Like, that's a tough opening matchup for the one seed. I, I wrote about this that this week. The Wizards, like I think their their defense is kind of real. Uh, you, you, they were the start of the year. Their defense was was rough, non-existent, Be, non-existent. Yeah, but no, but there was not enough. There was there, there were two things kind of going on. One is they had terrible interior defense, and two they were kind of getting beat hard with like the three point variant stick. They're, at the start of the year, their center rotation was Mo Wagner and Thomas Bryant. Their center rotation is now right. three really good rim protectors in in Alex Len and Robin Lopez and Daniel Gafford, who I think we I said at the trade deadline that was a nice pickup for them. And I'll just you know, good good to your own good, horn. I will, I will, I will definitely do my own horn. But on the, I would like Jay to go back and 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 find the yeah. tape. I want well, proof. No, I have. I at minimum have a tweet, so I can. I have. I, I have receipts. <laughs> I have receipts. Um, but also, like now, they're like the opponents aren't making every open three like they were at the start of the year. So it's kind of right. You know, they're better and luckier, and so it's pretty good. Like, it's, but that's a tough first well, round. Well, making matchup. the change, yeah, is, exactly. M- Making the change in the middle allowed them to, to actually defend better on the perimeter by a lot. I mean, I, I just think that those guys, it, it's pretty obvious that they weren't comfortable with the guys that were backing them up. You could see that. A lot, they a lot, of, short, a lot of short make plays. If you know you're, you're giving up a dunk, if, it, uh, if you get blown by. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, um, the playoffs are going to be wild. And, and, and you know, I, I, I've had a lot of people ask how I feel about the play-in. And the truth of the matter is I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it because I just didn't think it would be that important or matter. And these teams are not good teams necessarily, but they're, they are definitely, I mean, Portland and Memphis are for sure playoff teams, right? Well, they're the seven, eight seed. The Spurs have been essentially the eight seed all year as far as the way that they've played. And then you have the Warriors that are able to overachieve because of Steph Curry. And I can't tell you who's going to come out of that that nine ten matchup. It's going to be nuts. I mean, this is the the playing game is working. I mean, just think about the fact that Washington probably would have gone to tank mode a few weeks ago, and now, you know, lo and behold, go on a hot streak, and now they're in the two games up and in the in the playing game, you know, and pretty comfortably 
in that situation. So I think it's a, a it's worked. You know, I have my complaints. I, you know, I've, I've verbalized them enough, uh, but it's worked. You got to give them credit. It's, it, and it matters. It's, it, it's something we kind of see every year where teams that are sort of on the bubble, even though if you're, if you're kind of rational about it, it's like, mm, maybe one more lottery pick would be, it would be better for us than, than, than sneaking in and, and getting uh, to use our favorite term windshielded uh, in the first round of the playoffs. But y- teams that get put in that situation always go for it. Like um, the, the, the only counter example is basically like Oklahoma city was really frisky until like Sam Presti was like, no, you're injured. You're injured. You're injured. Hoku do your thing. And then turn, turn their season around. Um, Hoku with not a high enough free throw rate. <laughs> <laughs> Underrated thing here for the Lakers though. They're going to have a better draft pick. Slightly. This is always something I was pushing. I was like, you know, I wonder if LeBron, this was in the Cleveland years, could LeBron tank to the eight seed and still make the finals? Easily. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It just, it, it, That's the next level of the most, Tank your playoff positioning for a better draft. But, but to me, the greater point about this whole seeding thing is your road to the finals matters. And you have to kind of – and teams – look at that and i think that's kind of the thing that's more important to me than home court even you know to a degree like home court matters for some teams more than others especially the younger teams but it is your road to the finals that makes a difference and just looking at it like i'm like man whoever finishes second in the east it's got a tough ass road i mean even the difference between say you're the one seed and the eight seed has a five percent chance of beating you and the two seed and the the seven seed has a fifteen percent chance of beating you. That's a huge. If you if you want to like do the, the the combined probability of getting to a certain point in the playoffs, that's a, that's, that's that's just a massive difference. Like we don't have to worry about that versus we have to worry about a little. Is just is is a big deal. So I so absolutely I agree with you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. 
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now another installment of the NBA Circle of Life. Everyone's clamoring for it. They want to know who's next. Well, we're at the Star is Born phase, guys. And this is, of course, when you are fortunate enough to be able to draft that franchise cornerstone. Your Luka Doncic, your Trey Young, your John Morant, your LaMelo Ball, maybe? Maybe. I know you're making a face at Trey Young, Seth. He's at least a franchise cornerstone. I, I, I thought you said Bogdan Bogdanovich. Oh, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> well, so these teams, they have started the process. They they did the tank. They made the picks. They got the players. And now you've got to do the hard part. And that's built around these guys. And so you've got your first piece. You look at Dallas. They get Luka Doncic. They make a move and get Kristaps Porzingis. And we've talked about this and and Atlanta because their their paths were pretty similar. Although I would say Atlanta really shoved all its chips in the table last off season. And then Charlotte and Atlanta. Charlotte's just you know, uh, or Charlotte and Memphis. Charlotte's just getting there. They just drafted Lamelo Ball, made a great signing, Gordon Hayward, to add another guy around those young guys. It is clearly paid off. They're going to make the playoffs. This is a great story. And in Memphis, we've gotten to see. The last few years, I mean, John Morant has just been electric and they've drafted extremely well. I mean, that's basically draft Twitter in the NBA right there. So, uh, guys, I guess let's start with Dallas. Do we like the path that they're on? I mean, they're currently the the seven seed or six seed. We talked about that. They have a chance to be the fifth seed. Been an up and down season, very inconsistent for I mean, it's been this way for everyone. So, you know, we got to. Take everything with a grain of salt. But do you guys feel like Dallas is moving in the right direction or are they just kind of spinning their wheels a little bit? I I think they are. I mean, like, what are our expectations? You know, were we looking at – I mean, this is a team that's like going into this year. It wasn't like, hey, they should win a championship this year, right? Like they're in that – I agree. They're yeah. in the early stage of this circle of life, you know, and I think it's it's along those lines of they're – they're still figuring out. They got a long road with, with Luca knock on wood that he, you know, stays healthy and things like that, but they, they have a long future with him. So they're just in the beginning stages of this. So yeah, we should, I mean, we shouldn't be going nuts of like, they're completely screwed for their future. It's, it's, it's just the start of this. Let me, let me sort of tweak this a little bit. Does it feel like this team has a, an artificially low ceiling right now? Because I don't think that they can play with the big boys. I don't. I don't think you could put them in a series against the Clippers this year and expect them to do what they did last year. There's just no way. It's not the same team. The Clippers are way better. I think that's true. Um, 
how they got there is a more interesting question. I think that they've 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 made you know moves that I think from looking at them from beforehand you like, and they haven't like worked out. Like I think we all liked the Seth Curry for Josh Richardson trade. Mm-hmm. That that hasn't worked out for them. Doesn't mean it was a doesn't mean it was a bad trade. It 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 it, it you know for whatever reason that hasn't quite clicked for Josh Richardson. I think that that like. Uh, due to injury issues and and other stuff, like you know, I, I don't think that they've got everything they hoped for out of the Porzingis trade. And again, I don't think that means it was a. It's a, that's the kind of trade you make when you're trying to build. And yeah, absolutely. But, and and you you know you talk about pushing your chips in. You you know you you make your bet and the wheel spins and and then what happens happens and then you have to be you know you have to be confident enough that your process to get there was good enough that you live with the outcome. So I don't like it. It's hard. You have to make good decisions and then things go right. And they may be on the first sort of steps of making decent to good decisions and things just not quite breaking right, which happens to a lot. The thing is too. Yeah. And the thing is too, and this is kind of important is they're in a good situation going forward. You know, it's not like they're extremely tied cap space wise. I think they have a chance to sign, make a big cap space move this summer if they wanted to. They can let Josh Richardson walk this summer. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there's there's things they got to do and, and and stuff like that. They're in a good position. Like again, they're in the they're in the fun. We're going to college phase of the circle of life. Like they're about to go partying, you know, and things like that. And and and. Oh no, they're partying right now. No, like, they're not they're, about to. They're, they're partying they're, right they're, now. That's, at the start of their senior the year, worried about getting a job now, so they're a little further yeah, along. Like, they're not just. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's fine. That's a good way to put it. But they're in a, a, a good situation in that sense. You know, I don't think they're they're there's somebody like I'm worried about their long term future. You know, as long as Luca's there and they're healthy, you know, I think they're going to. Well, be, that's the I, thing. I think though, right? well, health is going to be a thing for everybody. But I think. Oh, I oh, mean, if Luca's there, stop. right? Like, and, and, and I don't do want to start do this no, thing no, already. No, you just did. No, you just did. No. But hang on. No, hang on. The money part does start to creep up okay. on them because Luca's got okay. an extension coming up, right? So, so you now are entering a different phase. Okay, no, that that that's, if you're yeah. there because the money is starting to pile up. Okay. I don't mean that he's going to leave. I just mean that that you do have to now like the clock has started because financially you're in a different position. Porzingis already got his deal. Luca's going to get his, and now you got to find a way to make it work on the margins, and that's hard. I think they're they're not the only of this group that's in that spot. I mean, you talked about Atlanta kind of pushing chips in. They, you know, they have some extension decisions this summer. They gave Gallinari a lot of money. They gave Bogdanovich a lot of money. Um, you know, Memphis. They're going to have to pay uh, Hunter in, in, and Reddish you know, uh, in Hunter a couple of years. It's it was- this is the herder, but no, but but Memphis is is gonna be coming up on this situation soon too, and I like, I think we may have talked about this at the start of the year, or maybe I was on a, a a Memphis radio show and talking about like what to do with Dylan Brooks, who's a guy who is the exact kind of guy that can be sort of a a almost an impediment for a team trying to graduate. Like he's a guy who helped you get to a certain point and isn't going to take you any farther as a top guy. He's, he's Monte Ellis. He's Monte Ellis. And, and they need to probably move on from Dylan Brooks just because they have other guys that, 
I think have higher ceilings that need opportunity. But, you know, like, but here's the thing, besides just getting bogged down in, in, in each team situation, this is the yeah, normal yeah. problem for everybody in this yep. circle of life situation. Dave mentioned like, yep. okay, your, your clock starts, your clock starts as soon as you realize, Oh, we have that guy. And whether it's on day <laughs> right. one of the draft or, you know, they develop into that guy all of a sudden it's, it's, it's this is the normal problem in this section of uh, 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 of our uh, program. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your experience, Mo, because you actually kind of lived through this part of it, right? Like you were there for for Blake. I was and I wasn't. You were I there. Was and I wasn't. I was. I I drafted okay. him, then went to San Antonio. So I missed the first two years. Okay, but, but like it is. But that was the thing. I came back for the lockout, and we made big swings that into that that thing before we even made the Chris Paul trade. We picked up Chauncey right. Billups and amnesty waivers, and you know he was threatening to even retire um, before coming. And then we get Chris Paul in the tra- like we made the big moves. And we, we, we graduated, but the truth is in this instance with, with us, with the Clippers is we graduated too early because Blake wasn't ready for what he needed to be, to be ready once he, we had those guys. And that's something that does happen in this instance is teams kind of rush in too early in, in, in their scenario. It wasn't, a, we weren't going to pass up on any of these guys, but it was just a tough deal. I kind of I you know from from the outside looking in I kind of saw almost a different problem and and the problem that some of these teams now are facing is like the little mistakes added up like you know mm-hmm. were you there uh you I mean you gave, there was the the summer that I uh, you signed like Spencer Haas to the mid level and Jordan Farmer yeah. to the to the, the biannual and it's like and we're hard capped after making these and we needed depth and these two guys gave us nothing and just like missing on those and and you know, for, for Memphis and Charlotte has, has, you know, the Malik Monk decision to come up with this summer. They've got extension de- uh, decisions starting to come up uh, this summer and next summer. You know, those mistakes you make now, when it's two and three years down the road, if you've got five, 10, 15 million extra on these mistakes you've made, more even for, you know, with the, with the Clippers and, and, and the Balmer money, you could kind of buy your way out of some some problems. Memphis and Charlotte ain't doing that. So, so these right. like getting these little things right now, like even though it's even though it's not like time to graduate yet, you know, this is your this is your GPA that goes on the resume. Right. It's it's hard. Let me ask let me ask you guys cuz you know, Dallas isn't a place I think of for marquee free agents. Could Luka change that you think? I mean, Dallas may have to overpay a little bit at first, like I think Atlanta just showed us that if you want to become a free agent destination, you're going to have to spend money to get people to come there, change the franchise. You know, Atlanta making the playoffs this year, I think is a big deal for them. I mean, obviously they, they added talent and they spent a lot of money, but it also says, Hey, look, we're willing to spend money to make a better team. And it, and it pans out. I think from a free agent marketing perspective, that's good. But Dallas, are people going to come and play with Luca or are they going to have to overpay? I, I think it's going to be a little bit of both, especially or at least early on right now. You know, I think, listen, guys will go where they have the chance to make money and win a championship. And I think that's kind of yeah. what they got to see. And I think right now, Luca would be looks like he's fun to play with, you know, and I, I think it would be an interesting thing to see how it plays out. But, you know, they got to get further along where they got to I think that's right. They got to nail a couple of these decisions, you know, 
these small decisions to really kind of make it an enticing place because guys want to win, you know, and I think that's ultimately going to be a thing that's going to matter the most is teams. Guys are going to look at it going like, can I win a championship here? And Charlotte to me is in the worst position because they got a little bit too good, too fast. Making the playoffs this year is great. It's a great story, but they also, I feel like they could use another high draft pick. Am am I, am I crazy here? Yeah. I I just worry that because they're not going to get free agents, Gordon Hayward aside, I just don't think Charlotte's ever going to be able to get the pieces around LaMelo and, and Bridges and PJ Washington to, to be a real. They can, they can go at this the other way though. If they, I mean, they, part of why they've been good this year is they've got, you know, a lot of, of, of good young players. And so, you know, your, your cap space isn't just to go out and sign guys. You can also trade for guys. And part of trading for guys is having, you know, some interesting young players. So, so having enough of those guys around maybe makes them, especially, you know, a guy decides he wants to play with LaMelo and there's something that can be worked out. Maybe, maybe it costs you a PJ Washington or, or, you know, Terry Rogier or, or, or somebody else on that. But those are, that's part of why you do these little things to make your team better. It's not just that like, okay, we've, 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 drafted this guy in the second round and he worked out. We've signed this guy to a value contract and he's worked out. Sometimes that's for when your team is going to be good. But that's also so when the time comes for the the, the big opportunity to hit. This is, you know, the, the Daryl Morey philosophy is like when we're, we're hitting these singles and that's, you know, putting people on base. So when times take the big swing, we can do it. We can we can really cash in on that. And um, and so just being ready to do that is also part of the knowing when to flip that switch is is really hard. The consolidation yeah. trade, so to speak, and, and I think Atlanta is going to have to do that for sure. They, they've got too many young guys that that are good enough to to get assets that just aren't going to be able to break into that rotation when they're at full. I, but also, I think that they're going to. I want to go in also a little bit, Dave. On like making the playoffs is never really a bad thing. You know, I think it also shows that like, hey, look. We're competent as an organization. And that's something that we haven't been able to say too much about Charlotte over the years, you know, but they're looking in a situation where it's like, look, we're, we're pretty competent. Look at that roster next year. I mean, assuming these guys come back and it's the same roster, I kind of look at it going like, that's, that's a team that's probably going to be in the, the playoff hunt and in the mix, you know, and, and, and have a chance. So I think it's going to be along those lines. You know, I don't know. They're upgraded if they, from being good. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean honestly, that's kind of and 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 I don't know if that's going to be hard for them to get. You know, I I I don't think it's going to be a real issue for them. And I think look at some of the guys that have, Miles Bridges has blown up in the last two three weeks. You know, with how well he's playing and development. And maybe that's it's a success point. Maybe that's just the guy. Like, hey, that's the guy that's going to get us the guy. You know, or or whatnot. And I think those are kind of the important things there. And I think this is. I like where Charlotte's going. So do I. I mean, they've got a great coach. They clearly have a great system. I mean, they've completely embraced this ball movement and I mean, a little bit of basketball joy there. I mean, I don't want to steal from the Warriors, but I mean, when you watch them, like I they're mean, having fun, you can they're feel having it. fun. How much of that is the yeah. is is is, uh, is the broadcasters going crazy? Which I I love, by the way. I love they're I, amazing. I, I, I love they're their amazing. broadcast. Yeah, the broadcast is great. We got to get those guys on the show. I think I, we got to get both of those guys on the show. Uh, maybe just 
maybe we just need to give them the show for a week or something. But those guys are, to me, I think that's the best broadcast uh, pair in the league this season. I think they're the most excited broadcast pair, and so it makes it fun. I, I I have a lot of, there's actually some really good broadcast teams out there. Shout out to the Nets with uh, uh, their squad. I just think everybody's kind of got, there have been some good ones. But I know we're going to wrap soon, but I just think the, the most important thing about this life cycle, when you have these guys, it's the next moves, you know, it's those next moves. And I, and I think Seth nailed it with everything he said there. It's all those small moves here on the edges that are going to make a difference for the team. You know, can they move? Can they graduate? And I think sometimes the graduation part is the hardest thing to, to do. Uh, as we wrap up this week, we wanted to take a second and shout out my good buddy, Jonathan Charks, uh, who works for the ringer. He was diagnosed with cancer last week and has started treatment. And I know he listens to this show because he complains to me, uh, that sometimes the takes aren't hot enough and that he needs more hot takes. And I know he loves hot takes. So I hope he's listening right now. And I, I hope he's comfortable. I, I texted him this morning. And um, we love you, John, and uh, we hope that, uh, you know, you make it through this okay. And uh, can't wait to have another burger with you, man. Uh, That's going to do it for this week. We'll catch you guys next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.